This episode of Experiences You Should Have is brought to you by Soul Blends, handcrafted in Oregon from botanicals to bottle, multiple healing balms, salves, and moisturizing products to bring life to your skin. Check out Soul Blends and use the code EYSH to receive 10% off your order. You're going to places where they don't know the language and they just live in a completely different world that you or I or anybody listening to this cannot even imagine or understand. So it's just it's just a different world to look at. And it's something that humbles you and puts your whole life in perspective. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. Today, we will be traveling to Vietnam via motorbike. That's right. What an epic experience. I actually have Mariel Fry, who is the podcast host for Travel Experiences Reimagined, who came on to share her story. And just a note about Travel Experiences Reimagined. This is a podcast that connects tour guides with travelers looking to find different experiences all over the world. And I know you experience seekers love experiences, so definitely check out her podcast. And so let's get on with the interview and learn about traveling Vietnam via motorcycle. Welcome, Mariel, to Experiences You Should Have. We are so happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited to be here. This is so exciting. Yeah, this is quite an experience that you traveled across Vietnam via motorcycle. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you did this twice. Is that right? Yes. So the first time I did it, it was a two day motorcycle tour, but what happened, we did the first day on a motorcycle and then the second day it rained. So we actually had to do it in a car, but my dad and I, we really wanted to go back again. And one of the things my dad really wanted to do was a longer motorcycle tour. So we knew the guy, because again, we did the first one and based on the time of year we were going, he recommended the best route. So that's how we ended up doing a five-day motorcycle tour. And luckily it rained kind of one day, but it wasn't downpouring. It was more of a mist, so we could still get on the bike. Wow. Okay. How fun. Now, what time frame are we talking about here? I happened to travel there in like December, January. So end of December, early January, both times. Mm-hmm. So that's more of the quote unquote high season. We forget that in America, Our summer is from, let's say, May to September, but in Vietnam and other parts of the world, it could be from November, December to about March, April. So you forget that when you travel there, it's really hot. um, And it's just, it's more of their summer again, which you forget because you don't think of it that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, what year was this? I did the first one in 2016, the one that I did two days, and then I did the five-day one in 2017. Okay, wow. 
So this is pre-COVID. So pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. <laughs> when life was a little easier, I suppose. Right, right. So hopefully, hopefully we will get to a point in time where this experience could be a reality. Uh, so where did, where'd you start in, on the five-day trip? Where'd you start? So you always start in Da Nang. So we worked with Uncle Nine, who does the tours, all the motorcycle tours. And you always start there because that's where he's based and located. So to fly to Da Nang, you can, you can take a train from Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh. I happened to fly because I believe I was in Bangkok. And so when you fly internally in Southeast Asia, it's pretty easy to get around major cities through... Um, you know, it's not coming to me, the airlines. I think one of them was Bangkok Air and another one was Vueling Jet and some of the smaller airlines. So Da Nang is a, not a massive airport, but it's a smaller airport. But you always meet him there because that's where he starts any tour, whether you go north, south, west, wherever you go, it's always starting in Da Nang. Mm -hmm. And what's Da Nang like? You know, it weirdly reminds me of a South Beach. And I say that because when you... There's a strip right with the beach and they have all the hotels kind of on the beach, but then you cross a bridge and there's more of a city, right? There's more of an area where you go out. There's lots of markets and restaurants and bars, clothing stores. Um, so it's, it reminds me of that. I will say in Da Nang, a lot of people don't speak English, which is really interesting. So we literally had to use like a Google translate to get around because a lot of people just they didn't speak the language. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's not as common as let's say Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh, but that was surprising in a way. Cause I thought as a bigger ish city, they would speak English, but they don't actually speak English there. But the vibe is kind of like a South beach, Miami, just not as crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and probably not as expensive either. No, definitely not. <laughs> Southeast Asia is a great place to go. I mean, the flight depending on the time of year can be a little costly, but once you're there, it's, it's so easy to budget. You don't need a lot of money to have a great time. Mm -hmm. So how, so this was a five day trip. How many kilometers or, or miles um, was covered or was the uh, plan to cover? Do you know? You know, I can't remember off the top of my head. And I only say that because we kind of changed course a little bit. And the thing was you do... So you stay in, like in a guest house, right? You're not really staying in hotels. And I want to preface at this because for any listener listening to this, it's you're not staying at a swanky, you know, nice Marriott when you do this tour. You're staying in guest houses or questionable places, I'm going to say, um, <laughs> that aren't as nice. <laughs> so I, I really preface it that because I don't want people to think, oh, like cool motorcycle tour. You're going to stay in a really beautiful place. Like that's not the case. Like the way the showers were set up, it wasn't really a shower. The shower was like in the bathroom. It was just, there's no curtain. It's very weird. Um, it's something that as Americans, you're just not used to. And so what you do is you stay in a guest house for maybe a night or two, but you drive and motorcycle around for maybe a day in that area. And then you'll go back to the hotel. And then the next day you're kind of driving to the next destination. So you might be in a place for two days and you're just driving around different areas throughout the day. So it was hard to say how many miles or kilometers I mm -hmm, did because I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm not too sure. Plus we yeah. did activities in between too. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you say motorcycle tour, about how many hours a day would you say you're on the, 
on the back of a motorcycle and who's driving? So definitely not me. <laughs> I, you mean you can, right? If you feel comfortable and experienced to get on a motorcycle in a different country, hey, why not? But I always rode on the back because I just, I would never do that myself personally. Um, but I actually rode with the main tour guy that we were with. And then my dad was on the back of a motorcycle with one of his guys that he brought to come on the tour with us. So I wouldn't, again, wouldn't drive there. I just felt the roads were kind of uncomfortable, but when it comes to driving there, I want, I'm trying to word this the right way because <laughs> it's, it, it's just, it's different. It's very different. And you're, when you're on a bike, I'm going to say four to six hours, but again, some days it was six, some days it was four. Um, and it ranged because it depended on activities. Like one of the activities we did, we went through a cave, right. And we spent half a day on a boat seeing, you know, in Phong Na in these beautiful caves that you would never think of. So that takes up half a day right? Sometimes you stop in a village that takes 30 minutes. So it's on average four to six hours a day. Um, again, depending on how many activities we had or how many villages we went to. Okay. All right. So what would you say was the highlight of this trip? Why is this an experience you should have? You, it's things you don't see on TV and I can't preface it that enough. I mean, the villages I saw just to understand how poor these people are. I mean, but they're so happy, right? And I say this because when you see that these people truly have nothing, like they have these, I don't even say bamboo houses, but houses built with like wood and some bamboo. It's a flat floor where they maybe have a pot and some clothes. Honestly, they really don't have anything, but you give them candy and they light up and smile. And it's something you'll never really see on TV that I've never seen and to experience how kind and wonderful these people are, where they don't even speak any English, but to see how they live on a day-to-day -day basis really makes you appreciate your life so much more. And it's an experience of a lifetime, right? To be on the back of a motorcycle in the middle of Vietnam, where you really have no idea where you are, which can terrify people. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're looking for an adrenaline rush and something exciting, it's just very different than what we're used to in this country. I got to see, again, a village of people who have never seen a white person, right? It's it's a crazy thing I'm saying that, but I almost got looks that I was an alien because they've never seen that before. So you're going to places where they don't know the language. They don't probably even have TV, definitely not a cell phone. And they just live in a completely different world that you or I or anybody listening to this cannot even imagine or understand. So it's just it's just a different world to look at. And it's something that humbles you and puts your whole life in perspective. That is beautiful. That's absolutely well said. Uh, wow. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like, I feel like you just took me there. You just painted that picture and, and, and I'm just curious. I'm looking at a map of Vietnam right now. So so you did, were you going down the coast? Like what was, what was your route that you're taking here? So I've done it again between the two tours. The one that I did the five day one, actually I apologize. We didn't go South. We went North because if mm -hmm. we, the reason why we went North is because we were going to Hanoi. But when you go North, you kind of go through these, like, again, they're random roads, right? I don't know where I'm going, what's going on, what's happening. 
but you are going north and you go a lot of, I don't even say hills, but it's kind of hilly. But luckily we went on anything that was a road, right? Anything that was paved. He wasn't taking us on too many roads where it was gravel or it was dirt because that just isn't really great for a motorcycle. Um, At least I don't think so. I'm not a motorcycle expert, but doesn't seem right rationally like a good idea. So he always took us on paved roads anywhere we went. But going north, again, it depends on how far north we were going or what we were doing. But I don't remember him ever going somewhere so high up or so low to the ground. I just remember it being a bit more flat with a little bit of hill. Okay. All right. And and so five days, you're, you're, you're having some excursions. And, and what about the food? Are you, are you eating at like locals houses or restaurants? What was your food situation like? Very interesting. You say that. (laughs) So I'm glad you asked that. Um, So we stayed in different guest houses. Some of these guest houses were, again, they take you back in time because they just, like I said, don't update them or do anything, but I have to tell you the food for me, it was just so communal and so beautiful how they just love to cook and they love to host. And you just ate very simple things. You know, true story. I actually got really sick from got one of my trips to Vietnam. I ate bad fish and I threw up on the side of the road. (laughs) So I'm very nervous to eat um, meat and stuff in uh, Southeast Asia, not in a bad way. I'm just nervous. I'm going to throw up on the side of a road. So (laughs) I'm very mindful of that. Um, But I personally just ate a lot of rice. I mean, the rice there was so good. Always white rice a lot of vegetables. Um, again, once in a blue, if the chicken looked okay, I'd eat it, but I I would preface it myself, not eating it, but it was a lot of like rice and vegetables, to be honest. And we were in Phong Na true story. They had, so it was, it was one random road in this little town where believe it or not, there were actually some tourists there of Americans and, you know, South Africans and Australians and some other cultures and countries. But we went to one restaurant that looked decent And we wanted to get breakfast. And as Americans, I don't know if you know what home fries are, but we got home fries. And so essentially it's potatoes kind of, you know, sauteed with onions and peppers. So my dad was trying to explain to them what home fries were. And he was very confused. Like the host was very confused. Mm -hmm. So my dad (laughs) went back in the kitchen to teach these chefs, these cooks, how to make home fries. (laughs) And like he goes in the back and teaches them this. And so he comes, so comes back. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And he they bring out the food, and it was actually pretty good how they made them. And so a couple other people looked and like, oh, that's good. I want that too. And my dad's like, see, you should add this to your menu. But they don't know this food, right? Again, I don't they don't really like look on the internet a lot, at least I don't think. Um, they're very in their own world. And I say that because it's just that's all they know. So it was just very funny. My dad ended up teaching them how to cook. But a lot of what I ate, truthfully, was a lot of, again, rice and vegetables. Um, I always lose weight when I go to Southeast Asia. I lose at least five to 10 pounds because it's the food is so fresh and so good. Like I've even gotten street food in Vietnam and also Thailand and other places. But the food is always really good. It's simple, but it's just really tasty. You know, if you like rice and vegetables and I would say in Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh, you like pho, it's all good stuff and it's all really fresh. And that's the biggest difference. You know, in America, I'm not going to say food isn't fresh, 
it just, it's been transported. Maybe uh-huh. it's not as local. There's pesticides. It's not, it's just not as good. I don't right. know how to explain that in the right yeah. way, but yeah. the food over there is definitely fresher. It's definitely better. I felt better. I felt more awake, more alert mm-hmm. and just felt healthier. I really did. Yeah. I did a, a Thai cooking class at an organic farm in, I think I was in Ching, I was in Chiang Mai for that. And it was amazing just going out to the trees and picking all the ingredients and making a curry paste from scratch. It, you're like, wow, this is, now this is farm to table, just right out there into here making curry paste. And it was the most delicious food I've ever had. Oh, that's a great experience. I did something similar too on a rice farm and it was just, it was lovely. Really. I think there's something to be said about a a true farm to table, right? Not a farm to table, like nearby, truly a farm to table, like your experience Mm. where you're picking something there and actually cooking it there. So I I love to hear stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. And, and what, what a cool experience to be having with your, with your dad. I mean, how special is that to go travel Vietnam via motorcycle together? Oh, so lucky. Really. I'm so, so lucky that my dad and I did it because, you know, I think going and traveling to that part of the world could be scary to some people, but I was very ambitious and I wanted to do it. And my parents didn't want me to go alone. So my dad, quote unquote, volunteered, AKA wanted to do the whole trip. And we just kept going back. And I'm so grateful that we have those memories together because they're once in a lifetime experiences that at the end of the day, like I I hate to say stuff like this, but you know, I really truly believe in my heart, like everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we all have to live, right? Our money's not going to the grave with us. You need money in life. I'm, you know, you need money to travel. You need money to live and your bills. And if you have children and cars and insurance, like you, the list can go on. Mm-hmm. But if you don't live your life, you're going to regret so much in that. And I'm just so grateful I pushed my dad to do it. I'm not sure if he ever would, you know? So I'm really just, I, I feel so lucky that I was able to create these opportunities for us to want to go. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well done. Um, So what would you say stood out the most from your motorcycle trip? Oh, there's so much, but I just have to say the people really, truly, I think when you travel somewhere and I've traveled to a few places, I'm not going to say I'm some world expert traveler, but I've traveled to enough places where you go to beautiful places, but if the people are mean, you, your whole demeanor of a place changes. Mm -hmm. And with Vietnam, the people were just so amazing where we've made friends and there's a special place in my heart for that because you go back and people are warm, they're kind, they're sweet, they're loving. They just want to help you and embrace you. And there's something just so beautiful about that, that maybe the place isn't the most gorgeous place in the world, right? But it's somewhere that makes you feel like home and people are so lovely how can you not fall in love with something like that? Like, truthfully, I felt safer in Vietnam than I do in this country sometimes, <laughs> which sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but they're just, you just feel the sense of warmth. And it's a reason I would want to go back over and over and over again. Yeah. Wow. I, I just, I love that. I feel like I can just picture the kindness of, of these people. I, I haven't been in Vietnam. I went to Thailand, but 
And there I felt like people were very friendly. Did you feel that they were friendlier in Vietnam than Thailand? Uh, a little bit. I guess I'm biased because I've made friends in Thai, uh, Vietnam. Yeah. I'm not saying I didn't not meet people in Thailand. I think Thailand, you know, I was in Bangkok. I did Phuket and then I did Chiang Mai. Uh-huh. And they were really friendly, right? I can't. I think Bangkok's more of a metropolitan city, so it's a little bit different. Right. But when you go outside of any major city, right, you really get a sense of a local culture and perspective. Mm-hmm. And Chiang Mai was great. Um, we loved it. The people were really nice there, too. But I think Vietnam, they were just maybe a touch nicer, right? And they're they're just nice everywhere. Um, but I think they were just, they had a special little spark, a little bit above. But again, both places were really nice and lovely when it comes to people. Yeah, great. Well, let's get to some logistics. Are you ready? Yes, I love logistics. Fabulous. <laughs> All right. So we are in, we are recording this almost into March of 2022. What are the current COVID restrictions for going to Vietnam? So my understanding that I last read is I think the borders are still closed. Now things change every hour. So it's hard for me to say, oh, you know, I'm telling you the most accurate information and it's probably not true. They could be open, but last time I checked for any Southeast Asian country, I just didn't hear about them open. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I wish, I hope they get open soon, but I, I don't know if they're open for Americans per se, not yet. So do you think that Uncle Nine will still be doing tours when they do open up? I think so. I can't imagine why he wouldn't. Um, I think unless, you know, he's a, I don't want to say older guy, but he's definitely a bit older. Um, so unless something really happened to his health, that's the only reason I'd say he wouldn't do them. But I can't, like, I know he was busy with people. Funny enough, a friend of mine did his tour in March, 2020 like right before this all happened. Wow. So, <laughs> so I know he's still doing them. You know, I just don't know to what level or extent if it's more local people. Um, but I can't imagine him not doing these tours. They're just phenomenal. Okay. And I will link to the tour and some additional information in the show notes on experiences that you should have.com. Um, so you mentioned you did a five-day tour, but can you do shorter or longer? Yes, he offers so much and he really, I'm going to say customizes it to you. Um, So it's, he offers, you know, you could just go for the day, right? And just do a motorcycle tour within Da Nang. You could do two days, five days, 10 days, 20. I think he offers like 21 days. Like you can, you have a bit of variety, but he's also kind of flexible too. It's more just, I would preface it once borders open and things get better with travel, book him ahead of time especially during their quote unquote high season, which is November, December to March, April, he typically gets booked out. So if you book with him well in advance, you shouldn't have any problems. It's just when you try to book a bit last minute, I don't think you would get him because he's, he's wonderful. (laughs) Very cool. Now, do you know, like if, if kids could do this or ride on the back of motorcycles, 18 and older, um, just for safety reasons. Again, this is me being more of a safety person. Um, I wouldn't say super young kids because I still think it's a big responsibility to be on the back of a motorcycle. 
However, I do think being in the back of a Vespa is okay. Um, It's very crazy. I don't know if you've seen Vespas in Thailand, but in Vietnam, it's nuts what they put on the back of a Vespa. Like I've seen families of four. I've seen big pottery (laughs) things. It's nuts. (laughs) Like you can't believe it. Um, So I would think as a kid, you could probably get on the back of a Vespa and be okay. I would say for motorcycle, I would caution it. And like I said, you're going on bigger pavements, bigger highways, uh, bigger streets, bigger roads. I just think it's a bit of a liability to have a young kid. I would say at least 18 or older because you're more of an adult personally. Agreed. I absolutely agreed. Um, We had our daughter in Thailand. She was four at the time. And I remember trying to line up a car to take us from one place to another and trying to get a, a car seat and something that fits her. And it was it was a whole big thing to try to make sure that she was safe when traveling from city to city. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> that's, that's tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I, I did never done a motorcycle tour. So I'm, I'm completely intrigued right now. Would, do you think that you could do a self-guided Vietnam motorcycle tour, or do you recommend going through a tour agency? I would definitely recommend a tour agency. Again, this is me being safety again. Mm-hmm. I just feel if you don't know roads, right. And if you don't know the language, it can be really hard. Um, I just feel when you're with someone who's experienced, who knows the roads, who knows the language, it just makes your whole experience so much better. I think mm-hmm. if you were to do a self-guided tour in a place you were comfortable in, it's very different, right? Cause then you mm-hmm. know the roads, you know, where you're going, you can feel more comfortable, but I always like the security of being with someone who, again, not only knows the roads really well, but also knows the language. So if you get into any trouble or problems, they're there to really be your guide. And to me, that's just priceless in that way. Yeah. So what about the cost? How much did this tour cost per person per day? So I think, and this is a couple of years ago, I don't know if his price has changed, but I remember it was about a hundred dollars a day. And that included all your food, accommodations, rioting, gas, like everything. So I thought it was a pretty fair price. Um, you know, my God, a hundred dollars doesn't even get you half a night's stay in a hotel in right. many places. Right. So that's paying for again, accommodations, all your food, um, getting around, the gas, like like everything. That's absolutely fair. Now, what about tipping? Is that a tipping culture? You know, I don't remember us tipping a lot. I think we always tipped a little because we felt bad, but I don't remember it being a real like tipping culture. Like they're just people are there just appreciative of anything, really. Mm-hmm. Like I would tip a little, um, but I don't remember really tipping a whole lot, to be quite honest, because I think it's just it's different. Yeah. So you mentioned you went in January. Would this be the recommended time to go or would there be a better time to experience it? So I think it depends, right? I think it depends on when you're free, right? The best time you can go. I always think great times to travel in general are February and September. You typically get better deals. Travel's not as crazy because kids are in school. I always love those times to go anywhere, but I think it just depends, you know, the way uncle nine mentioned this, if you want the best experience, if you to go South is the best time between December and March, 
If you want to go north, it's better to go from like May to July, right? So it it really depends on the, it's always the who, what, when, where, why, and how when it comes to travel. I think travel is never black and white. It's always gray and it's gray because you have so many choices that you can make. So I think it really depends on when you want to go away, how long you want to go away for, who are you traveling with? What's your budget? Where do you want to go? You know, there like, how do you want to get there? There's so many questions. It's hard for me to tell somebody, oh yeah, go January 2nd. It's a great time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know what your life is like <laughs> or your schedule. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard for me to say that. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so what would you recommend wearing for this kind of trip? So definitely comfortable. I personally wore jeans. I wear like stretchy jegging type of jeans. You could potentially wear leggings. I just, well, I actually wear leggings and jeans. So it depends um, how comfortable you want to be. Depending on the weather, I would either wear a rain jacket because it would rain or I wore a leather jacket because I always just felt cool on a motorcycle with a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, so had to wear that. And then just a light t-shirt. Um, again, depending on how you layer with a sweater or jacket, he so depends on the boots. I was lucky enough where I, he has a bunch of boots in different sizes. My dad, they didn't have his size. So he had to actually buy boots. So, and the boots were maybe $5, $10. I don't remember, but they weren't very expensive, but he gives you boots because a lot of times if you're walking one on the bike, it's important because of safety. I always feel to have a boot. It's nice and comfortable to hold yourself on. But you could be walking in gravel. It could be a little muddy and you don't want to ruin your nice shoes. So he typically has boots. And then, of course, a helmet. He always has that. So for safety reasons. But you don't need to be so crazy because if you bring stuff, right, we brought um, luggage. He puts that on the back of his bike. So it's great. Like he puts like big pieces of luggage on the back of his bike while you're motorcycling. It's so crazy when you see it, but Mm -hmm. he's able to do that too. So you really can be super light in what you wear um, to not worry so much. So speaking of luggage, like how, how much luggage were you traveling with? So I personally don't like to travel a lot with luggage because I actually like to shop. Um, when you go, when you mm-hmm. go to any Southeast Asian country, the clothes are so cute and they're pretty cheap. So for me, I really try to bring minimal clothing because one laundry is really cheap to do, which is great. I remember mm-hmm. it being like, I think $2 a, like a load. It was some crazy price that it was really, really cheap and they fold everything and wash and dry it. It's lovely. Yeah. So I, yes. <laughs> I try not to bring too much. Um, Sometimes my dad and I would share a bag. Sometimes I would bring my own one checked bag and then a backpack, but I never wanted to bring too much. Cause again, we always thought about it going on the back of a motorcycle, right? You don't want it to be so heavy where it drains you down. You want something lighter. I mean, heck, if you could do a carry on, like go on with your bad self. Cause I think that's great. But for a lot of women, I know that's very hard. So really depends. I think one for me, one checked bag was good. Um, and I didn't fill it all the way because I knew I was going to buy stuff and which you could just buy so much there. So for me, I just always brought less, but shopped more. Oh, now, do you think there would be a way to do this tour? Maybe if you had limited mobility? Yeah, you could do it in uh, like he he rents or I believe he gets a driver that has a van to drive you around. 
And you can go to the places you can stop, you can stop at the villages. But I, I personally think if you want the real like motorcycle experience, it would be a little bit harder. um, Somebody who has limited advantages to get on the back of a motorcycle, right? It's already Uh like kind of a dangerous thing as it is. So I couldn't imagine somebody with some type of disability doing that, but there's the alternative of getting in a car or a van and you can still drive around. I happened to do it one of the days um, for my first tour and it was nice too. I just think you miss out on the experience of feeling like you're outside and one with nature. Mm -hmm. So you would just, you would need to be able to get on the back of a motorcycle. um, But, but if you have a, a wheelchair or an assistive device that would maybe need to go in a car or think of a car tour, correct? For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. All right. And, and just curious about just being culturally appropriate. Do you have any tips for our listeners? Oh, that's a good question. I really think it's being kind and respectful. Um, you, people don't really curse there, right? I don't think that's really a thing. I think it's just really being mindful, always taking off your shoes before you go in a store. That's typically not a food place, um, but more of a clothing place. I've always taken off my shoes. They always, they don't like you to walk around with shoes in a store. So that's something to be really mindful of. But other than that, it's just really being respectful, saying hello, being as kind as you can be, even trying to learn some of the words, right? In Laos, you say sabadi, and I believe that means hello, right? Mm. It's trying to incorporate yourself a little bit in their culture. And I think any little thing you do, they're just so much more appreciative of that. So I always think that's a nice touch. And I like to do that anywhere I travel, um, which to me, again, always feels like a nice touch to do. But yeah, the biggest thing, definitely taking off your shoes um, and just being respectful. I would say that anywhere, but really just being respectful and just being kind. I feel that like should be a, a simple thing, but maybe it's not. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great reminder for, for everyone. And uh, any additional tips you'd like to share? Oof, there's so many. Um, I think, you know, Vietnam is a very beautiful place. I think Vietnam is one of those places where depending on what you like, is dependent on where you want to go. Again, I don't know how life is post COVID, but when I was there, I felt for me, if I'm going to compare a couple cities, right. Ho Chi Minh was crazy. It was busy. It was just so much going on. I personally felt it a little overwhelming and probably not my favorite city, to be honest, in Vietnam, Uh not in a bad way. It just, I'm glad I went, but I wouldn't go back personally. Yeah. But I think it's just, experiencing that culture is really fun to see. And then Da Nang was a great city. I love that it was a beach, but it was also a city. Just, I would say, no, it's just, they really don't speak English and to definitely look at Google maps. Cause that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, Hoi An was great. If you're going to Hoi An, beautiful town. I loved it. They're very much known for their custom clothing, which kind of was a surprise to us because our uncle nine <laughs> took us there. I believe it was the first tour we did. And he goes, oh, go to this place. They make clothing. And so my dad and I felt awkward to not do it. So if you don't want to do any type of custom clothing, I would definitely say that in advance because they may try to convince you to do it otherwise. We did it and it was fine. Um, You know, they had one place that was the clothing and then the other place that was leather goods, like accessories of purses and shoes. Like they make anything. 
It's mm-hmm. crazy. You can mm-hmm. literally take a picture of something and they can make it for you. Wow. I don't know how they yeah. do it, but they manage it. It's unbelievable. So that was a cool experience. If you are looking for custom clothing, maybe you are getting married and you want a certain dress. I'm sure they can make the dress for a fraction of the price, right? And they could do it probably within 24 hours, which also is insane, but they can do it. So just be mindful of going to Hoi An and making sure you go to the right place. If you want custom clothing, custom shoes, custom bag, like they can, I feel like they could do anything. Yeah. And then Phong Na was great. It was a small town, but it was just one little strip and the caves were awesome. Just also note they don't speak English, um, but you'll find lots of tourists. And Hanoi is the last place I'll say, which is interesting because it's their capital, but it's busy. It's gorgeous. It's it kind of dirty, but it's got so much history. It's just a really cool place. I just, I loved Hanoi. I have friends there. I got a shout out my friend, Na. She owns a restaurant called Apron Up Restaurant where she also does cooking classes and the food is delicious. Ooh. I love that you go to the markets and you get to buy the food, right? And then you get to make it. Yeah. Which is such a cool experience. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just Hanoi is a cool town. And I would say hotels are relatively inexpensive anywhere in Southeast Asia, but they were all like staff is incredible. The way that their philosophies are wonderful. So I, I don't know. I just can't say the nicest things. It's just really being courteous and respectful and just really letting yourself go. Well said, Mariel. Absolutely well said. Now you have your own podcast. Can you tell our listeners about your show? Sure. So it's called Travel Experiences Reimagined, where each and every Friday I put out a new episode with a different tour guide. Essentially anybody who leads an experience every week. I've had some really interesting people come on and literally I get people from all over the world. I mean, I've had people coming up in Venice. I've having DC. I've had Sicily. I've had London. I've had Ireland. I've had, let's see, Tucson. I've had New York. I've had outside of LA. I mean, so many people from all over the world creating amazing experiences that I just am so excited to showcase. And I'm so proud of each and every episode because everyone has a story to tell. Everyone got into the tourism industry for some crazy reason, and they've made a beautiful life for themselves doing it, whether it's part-time, full-time, whatever it is. And even through the pandemic, they've been able to, you know, excel and do really well. And it's just so exciting to see travel come back in a beautiful way. And so through my podcast, I really want to showcase all these amazing experiences that are out there in the world. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And just curious, where are you headed to next? Oh, good question. Probably Charleston, because I'm looking to buy a house down there, which Charleston is beautiful. Um, We were just there in January and it was great. We stayed in Folly Beach, which is about a half hour south of Charleston. And we had the best time. And for us, we want warmer weather. We would like a house with space. So for us, it'll probably be Charleston. We hope and pray, excuse me, we can go to England <laughs> and for Christmas. My husband is British. So I think England will always be somewhere we go back to. Yeah. Um, I would like, I joked with him. I want to see some other towns in England that we didn't see the last time. 
but I definitely think we'll, we'll probably go back to England at some point. But other than that, I don't know where we're like traveling, traveling to, but I feel my whole life. I plan on traveling. You know, one of the first questions I asked my husband when we first started dating, I said, are you afraid of planes? Like, do you like to travel? And when I learned he traveled more than me, I was like, okay, like (laughs) we're we're in a good place. But to me, that's very important, you know, and I think for anybody listening to this who wants to experience the world, right, whether you do that by yourself with a friend, family, a, a significant other, a partner, whatever it is, I think it's important to have your middle ground and your common ground and to know your morals, right, and what you want, because a lot of times what you think somebody wants isn't what they want. So it's just good to ask those questions and to be really forward. And with my husband, you know, I really, I was like, we're going to travel in our life with kids, right? The goal is to have some someday. And even without kids, like regardless, we're traveling, right? To me, it doesn't matter. I think experiencing the world, there's so much to offer in this world. I want to see it all. I want to do as much as I possibly can in my life. And I hope other people listening to this want that too, or they're curious to, do more in their life, whatever it is local to you or around the world. doesn't matter. Well said, Mariel. Well said. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your experience, your life philosophy, as well as your tips and tricks and listeners. Remember to go check out Mariel's podcast on travel experiences reimagined. Thank you, Mariel. It's just been a joy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Gail. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. And please remember to check out Mariel's podcast on Travel Experiences Reimagined. Go subscribe today. And if you haven't subscribed to Experiences That You Should Have, highly recommend just clicking that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening. And until our next adventure.